0: boom baby let's go all right nick how uh how how, how are you we de- i mean you okay you doing good having well, a good that, start to your june
1: uh, okay jeff have i ever told you about my childhood let's start this from- is how we normally start I think. I think so i think we start with like you know the psychological breakdown of like our week right so anyways mm-hmm. was born on a windy day in october right so really a uh, windy do you feel like that changed who you are today no, jeff you're supposed to you're supposed to cut me off this is, your job is to cut me off
0: from the ashes of last year's podcast i am your secret agent and interrupter of bad intros jeff you're a very slow interrupter i'm, I'm nick hi <laughs> and this is our podcast where a couple of friends have caught apart the part that want to talk to about some things that are fun and interesting us or whatever nick how okay so the windy day on october guy i have a few things a few a few things to talk about this uh before we get into stuff i don't do you okay i'll I'll let you choose nick i have i have two main things before we talk about some other stuff but uh do you want to talk about weather or you want to talk about sports i mean feel like this is the old the old man uh version of what we're turning into and i you know what i embrace it for a while um
1: Um, well that's because the only things that i have going autumn life our weather and sports no i'm just kidding uh i let, let's start with weather
0: weather okay so last time well I mean, nothing will top the time where I, I tried to die to a tornado and facetime you and you didn't accept it and that's fine and i don't that's hold true any, i don't i don't hold that against you at all ever okay sure? so, <laughs> so well, this is if you have listened to the podcast long enough, uh or if your name's Nick and I've forced you to talk to me long enough. Yeah, back last year sometime, there was an instance where I had a generator that I had to like m- juggle a couple extension cords between in order to keep our sump pumps going and then it exploded a, bit, a can of like spin drift or something. Um and that was an interesting time. Well, I I feel like, you know, I have the the whole this week I hurt myself bit and I haven't had to use that in a long time and I'm starting to... I think maybe that needs to be replaced by I've had a bad weather experience. Uh, be- or like, we'll work we'll on the name. We'll word we'll, we'll smith it outside of this. It's, no,
1: it's normal. Uh, it's a re- very catchy name. Um, okay. Tell me about your bad weather, ex- uh, weather experience.
0: Yeah. So no tornadoes this time. However, um, the area that I live in, it's fairly prone to flooding, and it was raining a whole bunch yesterday, last night, in fact. Okay. And so, so lots of rain, lots of uh, Like I'm outside, like filming some of the flooding stuff that's happening, and I I end up going back inside to kind of like wrap up for the night and get some you know get get ready for bed, and I go back outside to do like one more like film sesh of all of the flooding that's happening, and as I am ending a video, and you can kind of see it in the video itself, but the sky starts to light up, and the there was a transformer outside of our neighborhood that got struck by lightning and exploded. Yikes! And That's that's not good. Literally. Scared the absolute bejesus out of me. <laughs> um, that's very loud. That's actually the second time I've been outside uh, observing lightning and I've se- witnessed a Transformer uh, explode, which is I- – I feel like you only get so many of those before – I don't know, something. Before it's you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not It's not good. <laughs> it's not, it's not- but anyways, yeah. so uh, Transformer exploded. Our, our town lost power, which means that I'm instantly back into the same situation that I was a year ago where I am now with all the flooding stuff happening. I need to get some sump pump, some power. We actually had a, a backup sump pump that I installed over uh, like maybe six months ago for this exact reason. And it was actually doing a pretty good job. So I just hooked up our sump pump to our um, our little sump pump that's inside of our, uh, like our backyard. We have like a berm type thing that keeps the water from flooding our basement, but it's still water still falls inside that area and so we need to pump it out so i got it uh hooked up and everything was good uh and then it kept raining and then it kept raining and then it kept raining and then (laughs) then our backup sump pump which is like water powered which is actually a whole thing did you know that there are water powered sump pumps nick like utility power like using like the siphon force to suck out water um of, I would never have done that. No. Do you even have sump pumps in flipping California? Is this even a thing that you uh, even ever heard
1: of? I know what a sump pump is. It's the thing that it like removes water, right? It's primarily used to remove water. Like I can picture one. They're like they they collect and hold water then remove them right but I, I i don't have a basement jeff like why, i don't know
0: well you don't have to have a basement to have a sump pump for for my okay. in, in, in my defense but depending on like well, where the okay, water table the better, is and... i
1: i think that the real reason i i'm less aware i feel like i feel like my in-laws have this in pennsylvania like a sump pump i like googled it when you asked that like yeah, yeah i know what that is right I'm like yeah it's this thing it's that little hole is in like a basement yeah um i've i may have had one when i was a kid in massachusetts but i live in a place where it rains like literally like 10 days a year you know what i mean like i'm i'm the worst for this i (laughs) i've been in a drought since i was 18 you know what i mean like (laughs) okay real,
0: real quick your your current location can you google what your uh rainfall per year is yeah i can what's that uh 12.9
1: inches uh okay
0: so we got like a fourth of that literally in the last 24 hours yeah yeah correct
1: yeah that 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 adds up
0: (laughs) yeah we get 34 inches of year on average and i'm actually surprised
1: it's only 12 i'm like or like that it's all the way up that high i'm like i was expecting like six that's dang yeah
0: so it's been it's been a rainy rainy time um our using the magic of physics we have a backup sump pump that uses utility water that like basically shoots out a hole and then sucks up water from our sump pump pit if our main one doesn't have power which is the case but eventually yeah. it did not have enough uh it <laughs> did not have enough gallons per minute flow in order to keep up with the water that was flowing into uh, the sump pit so I had to switch our yeah. generator to be and I just have like this so it's probably. 15 20 year old generator it's a little baby guy and i only had so much gas too so it was it was a it was a rough uphill battle that we were facing um we ended up switching that over to our main sump pump so it could try to catch up and it did an okay job but literally ran non-stop for probably 10 or 15 minutes and then our generator died and this is like at uh, at this point it's like midnight which is not great. Nope. So end up having to uh, wake up my father uh, who lives only a few minutes away uh, which is just always great. It's like hey, hello, I've called you at midnight uh, please, I need you to do some things in the middle of a giant storm. And I have him come over with a generator. He has, I don't know, a handful of generators um, that's the benefit of having parents close by is they have everything. And so comes over and we ended up um, getting everything hooked up and pumping out all of the water from some pumps and uh, outside in our little basement, little water fortress uh, to keep things from flooding. It was one of the most bizarre things. Also, I'll send you some pictures later. But, um, yeah, we survived. I did not get to go to bed, though, for a very long time. Uh, and then literally. It Nick, sounds I- like very, very frustrating in a way. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was, it was. You know what's you know what's beautiful about it, though, Nick. Talk we we got everything all like caught up, so like the sump pump was caught up, so we could actually turn off and like fill back up and then pump it back out like it, how it's supposed to work. Good. And um, I got all that settled, and I finally felt comfortable enough uh, to go back to bed. At this point, it's like one thirty or two o'clock in the morning, and I swear I closed my eyes only to have them ripped open by the lights turning on because our power came back on. And <laughs> <laughs> like perfect timing perfect timing i just went to bed and then i had to get back up and then i had to like you know turn off the generator unplug everything plug it back into all the normal stuff um it it was just it was just so fitting like i've gone through this entire night woken up everybody that i could have possibly have woken up uh monitored things watched water with floodlights, just making sure um It, it all was being taken care of feel good lay down close my eyes immediately and every nope. light in the house that was on when the, <laughs> we lost power originally
1: just absolutely blinding and thankfully the lights have been out for a long enough time that even before you fell asleep you're probably very accustomed to the dark which is really nice for when it abruptly changes like that that's pretty convenient <laughs>
0: Oh, and you know what's even better is, like, definitely the kids don't notice at all that all the lights in the house yep. turned on, right? Nope. Like, definitely nope. not at all. Nope, nope, nope. Um, all right, so, sports. Nick, do you? when's the last time you have legitimately taken on a sport that you did not watch before but then became interested in? Uh, or is this even an experience that you've had in the past, you know, recent years?
1: Um, I mean, biking, kind of, I guess, was, uh, I kind of, like, just jumped in two and a half years ago, a little before the pandemic, um,
0: I didn't realize that was that recently. That's yeah. Crazy. I
1: mean, I I uh, I goofed around with BMX uh, bikes as a kid, but not like seriously or anything. And it kind of fell off for like ten years. Um, and then I I go through moments of like really caring about like like I I watched all the the fourth quarters of all the the Chiefs games uh, in the playoffs. It's not to say that I cared, but I was just like, or not that I not to say that I didn't care before and not to say that I am like a big fan now. And I'm not like, I am not on top of anything with football, but for a moment there, I was like, Oh shit. And it it happens. I guess that that same similar experience happens. I think with like the Olympics every now and then, right? Like you like get invested in a thing. You're like, Oh man, I can't wait to see who's going to win. Uh, you know, this, this year is, uh, whatever, you know? So, um, just, but nothing big. I haven't, I haven't like fallen in love with a sport out of nowhere, except for biking in a long time. Why do you ask?
0: Well, uh you you should be able to guess this cuz well, I said it in our text earlier this week but um, Nick, I've, I've never, if you would have told me this a year ago or any time before then that I would have been into this, I would have been very surprised, but I have weirdly and not even just me. And I feel like at this point in my life, it does have to be kind of a joint thing. Uh, my wife and I have gotten into formula one, uh, over That's the past right. month. And it's so, so, okay. Are you aware that there's a fairly popular, uh, Netflix series about formula one? i am
1: not just from you telling me i think i told you this but uh not just from you telling me but i have a a friend in uh not in the like uh in formula one but uh, i have a friend who's in the uh the like dirt bike industry works for suzuki Mm -hmm. and uh he is all about any kind of like racing and uh motorsports in general so he he's told me about it before too and saying high praises of it so so i don't really have two people uh, unbelievable (laughs)
0: He, <laughs> unbelievable. I So how we got into it was through the Netflix series and just like hearing people get into it through the Netflix series. Yes. And and I've, what I've always heard that I, th- I I found appealing was it's not about the racing per se. It's more about like the science and strategy and then a little bit of the drama uh, about around the whole sport that is the interesting part. And because like that's always been the thing. Like I've never, I mean, I'm not a car guy. Like I don't, I don't like I. Me, me either at all. Yeah. I I'm currently I, I have two cars that are my options to drive on my side. So I have a a car that is now eight years old and a car that is 18 years old well, or a truck. My truck is 18. So like, obviously I do not care about vehicles, broadly speaking. Um, not really a thing that I, I am too worried about, but Nick, I will tell you first off, these people are highly, highly skilled Two, their teams are just the amount of work that goes into the. These uh, races behind the scenes for every team is just crazy. I absolutely and, believe it. We and, it and three, it is like if you are at all ever intrigued by stupid reality TV series stuff, uh, just <laughs> like the weird dynamics and personalities, that sort of thing. Um, this is it. like it is. I mean, especially the Netflix series, like how, how far behind the scenes you get to go. Like it is very, very interesting. And you get really drawn into just like the stories behind people and how they've gotten there. And like the people that own the teams and like just, they're all, all kinds of, very very interesting things uh it's just it's really cool and so like that was a really interesting thing uh to like kind of get I drawn find, into
1: i find sports reality tv to be interesting in that it like shows you how people tick and like what makes them them like the, them successful like at that scale but it's also hard to parse because it's like you know you know that everyone knows that reality tv at, at best case scenario the people are aware that they're being recorded right so right. It's, it's always hard to take it at 100 percent. but i think if you like just let it go and just be like hey this isn't a perfect depiction you can usually have a lot of fun with with sports reality tv it could be pretty dang fun
0: yeah no i know um like so the nfl has uh hard knocks which is yep. Like, they follow one of the lower-end teams throughout the season. Um, Does the NBA have the equivalent of that? I know, like, uh, there were some some during-the-bubble vlogs that ended up uh, spawning, like Matisse Theibel and um, somebody else that did that, too. Uh,
1: Um, So, no, um, not really, Um, although there have been, like, I forget what they were called, but there have been attempts to replicate the Hard Knocks style experience. And you'll occasionally like NBA TV used to do this. At least I'm not sure if they still do. I haven't followed it. If so, Um, they never really took off the same way that uh, Hard Knocks did, but there have been some like, Oh, we're going to follow them for training camp. Like we're going to be in practices. We're going to like be in the huddles and like, see people getting cut and all that stuff and uh those didn't seem to get either the traction or they may not have even been resigned uh but i have seen some of those i don't know that they really held up to what hard knocks is like you know there's a big overlap obviously between uh football fans and basketball fans uh because they're just sports fans right uh so it seemed to me like football fans that loved hard knocks were a little disappointed with them i don't know if that was just like the circumstances i don't know if that's me misreading it because i wasn't like uh i wasn't watching them religiously or talking about them on social media but yeah
0: yeah i mean that that's fair it probably i mean i don't know it really it just kind of it depends on the team that's following it and the group that's producing it whether or not that's going to be something that feels genuine versus you know just a slightly different version of you know press stuff like totally it's quite the spectrum that that can fall on i I
1: also have wondered if that's um a if that's a thing that is a little bit of product of the nba because it's a little bit more like of a star driven league and i think that uh yeah nba players are very like very very media a train from like a very young age like even zion williamson is like freshman year or you know like he he came into the league around the time of COVID. i forget if his first year was 2020 or 2019 but uh or sorry if his first year is 2020 or 2021 i think it's 2020 yeah. um and like you know he spent one year at duke and he just came in and he's like so diplomatic and so able to like navigate media stuff like nothing controversial coming out from him at all yeah. and the reason i say is um i do remember back in the day espn used to do stuff where they would follow high school competitive teams or they had one following uh oh god do you know what's his name bobby knight i think um yeah they had one co- following bobby knight's college team do you know who mm-hmm. bobby knight is the coach yes yeah yep so they had a uh so he used to coach indiana that's what he's famous for and then in, two th- in the 2000s he uh started coaching Texas Tech and they did a reality TV where he was trying to I remember this a, a walk on it was yeah. so good it was wildly popular um but it felt a, like it may have felt more authentic because it was amateur athletes right like it was college athletes and like kids trying to make it a, a, a college team so they may not have to have the same level of experience maybe that's maybe that's like one of the reasons that it doesn't it hasn't translated over as, as strongly as the uh you know like the star focus might make people a little bit more media shy yeah. In the NBA, it's already go off the the edge there.
0: No, no, it's really interesting. Honestly, we could talk about that. I, I, I do want to to steer it back just for a second, though, because I my main thing I want to talk about. I want to I want to make sure we leave time for it. But um, <clears throat> I here's here's the reason why I wanted to bring all this up. Uh, so I I got into we've gotten into Formula One uh, over the past few weeks. I've never watched a Formula One race live, and yeah. we had uh, this most recent Sunday. So we're recording this June first. Uh, this would have been like May 29th or whatever. Um, there was Monaco, uh, which is the m- one of the most, or if not the most, famous Formula One track uh, or race that happens right. in their, their little circuit. I don't know all the right actual terminology yet. I'll figure it out. But anyways, what I've learned about this experience, and I've I've kind of known this about myself because I I've seen it, it both in the NBA where I don't know near like nearly as much as like yourself or somebody who's you know followed this uh throughout you know the entire season really really well, um or also even just through some soccer stuff like I don't I'm not like super well versed on uh, strategy and how it all works, but I can I can definitely get into it. Um, I I've learned now, Nick, through watching this Formula One stuff, I am just a competent competition junkie like i am such a sucker for it like i cannot help but get completely drawn in and like there was like a whole thing at the beginning of this most recent race where um they were literally uh they were getting ready to race it was like 10 minutes to the start and there was like rain on the forecast and so like all these teams were in the block like in the blocks i don't know what the the right thing is i ran track what's wrong with me um but anyways the equivalent of being a race car in the blocks they were like in their spot and um but the like all the the places in formula one where you like you have your pit stops or whatever they're called um were further on a different part of the track and up until the very beginning of the race you can change your tires to like they have like uh hard tires which are the fastest but also most slick and they have like a medium and they have like the you know the wet slick tires which are the slowest all, yep, all makes and sense. and so like literally all these teams like it's starting to look like it's gonna rain radar shows it's gonna start to rain it's like all these teams have all of their like pit like crew people are sprinting with like these uh tire trolleys like sprinting them like pushing them like a quarter mile up to where their cars are and like trying to get the tires changed out at the last second um it's just it was so intense like we had the race hasn't even started and like you see like team managers like like, these people that are getting paid probably millions of dollars are helping push tires up to their cars. Um, it was just wild. And then, um, so then they end up starting, and then it ends up pouring rain. Like, I guess, in, so in Formula One, you have what's called a formation lap, which is, like, you get your tires warmed up, and people get to see the track and stuff. And, like, as the as that's happening, it goes from raining kind of hard to, like, hurricane-level rain. Um, and so then they have to, like, stop. And then, like, they're, like, trying to get out all these, like, Little gazebo tent looking things uh to like you know uh to be big umbrellas for the cars, which is also just a giant cluster. And like all the different teams, they all have like different levels of preparedness for this. Um so like some people are just like holding a few umbrellas <laughs> trying to do their best, and other teams oh, have man. like huge like tent things that they're able to get up. Um so there was like all this craziness at the start. Um and and then like just the actual race itself, when it actually finally started, which took a while, um, just like the conditions of of the track changing so much throughout the the race and um and, and like there was one guy who ended up being really sl- like middle of the pack but ended up being pretty slow but it's really hard to pass in Formula One and so ended up like separating the pack so much that toward the very end of the race the they were getting ready to lap people at, like literally the oh, last man. few laps which caused traffic which caused drama and etc. I'm like oh my gosh I love this so much and I never knew like that was a thing that I would ever care about because like I've always bounced off NASCAR and stuff like that. Um, and so really, really enjoyed it. And I never would have thought like literally even a month ago, uh, before kind of, and, and like the fun thing was, is like, I knew many, many, many of the names that were out there. And so like, I know all their personalities and, uh, like some of the people that were having kind of an off year this year, but were previously really good, like how frustrated they were to be part of that group that like got pushed back to like, you know, 30 seconds behind the lead pack. Um, like just knowing how mad they'll be in like these, uh, Netflix series that that will come out next year or whatever um i don't That's know it was so
1: cool no i i really appreciate it. i i didn't want it to detract because i you know i but i see i hear parallels when you're saying that to mountain bike racing and yeah. like the, it, it's just tense that those kinds of like condition changes make the, the everything more unpredictable and, and for me that makes it more enjoyable and more tense and more just fun right and you and also like you said you can just see the amount of effort and preparation going in when people are sprinting to try and make a an equipment change at the last moment yeah that's too good
0: and then, so I really enjoyed that. I'm like, you know what? Let's let's keep on this uh, this racing line here. So the Indianapolis uh, 500 was uh, literally like 30 minutes after uh, the Formula One race finally ended. Um, okay. And I assume you don't know how Indy uh, the Indy 500 ended. I do not. I've no idea. So <clears throat> it was also just a buck wild ending. So uh, or just a, a situation. So the entire race was somewhat interesting. Nothing nearly as dramatic as the start of all that. Um, but there was a, a former formula one driver who has now moved over to race in, um, indycar racing and he uh, and i'll just do the spoiler so he ended up winning he was the lead person going into the um the last probably 20 laps or so he was in the lead and at that point um like when he overtook it was like really competitive but he had actually like really separated himself from the pack going into like the last five laps to uh, the point where they were talking about how frustrating it must be for like you know second and third place where you know they didn't have any genuine hope to, to try to overtake him because he was so far ahead. Right. Um, and then there was a crash. And I'm not sure if you're aware, Nick, but if there's a crash, you go under a red flag if it's bad enough so they have to clear the track, which means everybody has to um, to go into the pit lane and they're all at that point. There was like the leads don't matter anymore. Like everybody's smashed up against each other again. And that happened uh. with three laps or four laps to go and he was so so mad because like he I had won he had won the race and um in any kind of like this sort of racing the um erady i never realized how much it mattered but the aerodynamics of uh of how these cars race is so so important and you mean I, like
1: re- like what their position relative to each other like their ability to like uh get in each other's drafts
0: yes a hundred percent so okay. he honestly by being in first place he was in a very disadvantaged position. Right. Because now literally everybody... Other than him gets to draft off of at least another car, and so he with with literally only because uh, how that also how that works is they do one lap after the caution, um, and then they go race, and so at that point he only had two laps that he had to try to defend people off. Um, all right, I guess we could... I, I do want you to watch this, and I want to hear your reaction. Are you okay if we do that real quick? It's only like yeah, let's do One it. minute. Okay. Okay. Um, open that up. So what you're watching here is right after they finished like. The caution lap and then they go into the real like as they round the corner is when they start the real actual lap um so tell me when you are ready to hit play and we'll hit play together
1: i'm ready to hit play when you are
0: all right three two one play button sound or no yeah i'd be
1: so pissed off if i was five laps up and they took it all
0: from me oh dude and just like watch how crazy he drives to try to fight off the the drafting he like goes all the way into pit lane multiple times like look at this this is this is intense all right, one lap now. He's, this part is insane. Literally all the way no! in the lane. I'm so mad! He fights him off, and it's over now. Oh so go, he goes on to win from here. That's too good. But anyways... Um, he's he's all over the map for
1: our viewers, like, trying so hard to, like, evade giving this guy any chance of a draft. The guy behind him has excellent reactions. Is like, right moving with him and trying to overtake him.
0: And almost did. Almost, almost did. did. almost I did. did. I thought he did. That's what I was saying. I, I was mad for him on his behalf. Like... <laughs>
1: Uh, But anyways,
0: like, Nick... I mean, I watched that live and I was losing my mind. Cause like, it was, it was like this huge buildup for like, uh, like seven minutes while they were under caution, just sitting there waiting to start. Yep. And like, you could just, they like, they play the radio and you could just hear how mad he was about the whole situation. And like oh, yeah. his team trying to calm him down. Um, I had no idea I would love racing so much again, as a person who I don't give, uh, you know, I don't care about cars at all. Uh, but like the, the drama of that entire day was so fun. I really, really enjoyed it.
1: Yes. Uh, that sounds, that sounds awesome. That sounds like, like a, a ton of high stakes and like very fun, honestly. Um I I'll uh, leave with this um you and i i think both got into league esports at the same time uh-huh. right like, we, yes we that that really shows that like you know whether whether like we're talking about motor sports we're talking about like normal traditional uh athletic sports uh or like you and i even got into esports like there's a through line of just like if you make competition tense enough you raise the stakes enough and people are invested enough like it is wildly impressive and it these people push each other so hard that it almost always becomes a very competitive, awesome thing that can be, that has all the investment of the athletes, and it has all the, like, drama and tension that you want from a sport. So, yeah, like, if if you're, like, I, I got nothing but respect for any competitor at any any kind of competition I, uh, this is nuts
0: yeah and I'll so I'll, I'll close this segment out with I do think that that sort of thing I mean there's there's lots of uh, cons when it comes to uh, you know just media and our exposure to all of the things all of the time but being super excited about an indie race or an F1 race or uh, you know worlds for League of Legends and like screaming at the screen uh, for that sort of thing I will take that all day over the alternative uh that the you know our our ability to have our attention taken by just all the different things all the time so yep, i yep. for me that made me it was that's a good fun innocent and happy i'm happy for it uh whereas a lot of things you spend a lot of time on it maybe don't feel so great but that one i i genuinely enjoyed all that so it was it was good turns out there's lots of cool things out there that i didn't know about so yep. nick J- uh, Jeff, you, i you have a
1: topic thing. but I think like we're 30 minutes in, I think we should go to your topic cuz we we had a good talk on that. Okay. I can do my topic. I am happy to do it. Uh, but I think your topic sounds more interesting just based off of the the title here.
0: Okay. Yeah, uh, would you uh, I'll I'll accept. Uh can you intro uh this segment?
1: Y- yeah. It's um all right guys, it's uh space stuff time.
0: It's space stuff time. Here we Let's go. Let's go. Nick, I want to talk to you about um the the moon rover. <laughs> so okay. um oh first off though I are, are i I assume it's made it across your radar uh that we're gonna go back to the moon at some point uh some point hopefully soon did you know this
1: uh yeah but like I don't I so I know this but I didn't like read articles or I, I think like I saw a, a couple of headlines or something to that effect yeah um and I've never really known, uh, like, how serious is to take space stuff, because, like, we just kind of stopped doing the moon altogether, right? So, we like- did.
0: Yeah. No, it was like, okay, it's now um, the 70s and we're no longer about moon stuff. Uh, that's kind of how that worked out. But in all fairness, it is... Extraordinarily expensive, and and to get the funding as you know a government government organization like that, there's a lot of politics there, and I'm not sure yep. if you're aware, but sometimes politics is politics, and so hard sometimes. hard to make that happen.
1: Oh, okay, occasionally. Okay. Yeah,
0: sometimes some disagreements. Um, but no, I a couple different things came across my radar uh, from the the good old moon days um, of the 60s and 70s. And uh, I just, I found the whole moon rover uh, stuff so fascinating. And I just wanted to talk about it. Um, and uh, well, yeah. so, okay, so let's talk. So like from the get go, like when we were originally starting to figure out um, our, our moon plans, there was a ton of stuff stuff that ended up getting uh, developed uh like just doing some some RD on how we can maybe drive around on the moon and there there are lots of weird things out there and there's like uh, multiple companies that were trying to make it happen and ultimately there was one leading group who ended up uh being being the ones that came with it was called what is it called the the mo lab the nick you want to take a guess hmm. at what the mo lab stands for more lab. Mobile laboratory. Ah, um, damn clever i'm gonna send you a brief picture and i want you to guess what the problem was with the molab as to why ultimately we never saw this thing land on the moon
1: um okay so i see this right and i see uh like how the, how the crap do you get it up there it's my first thought yeah uh, I, I feel like it's gonna t- it's gonna take a lot of space up in your spaceship but uh is there something else i'm missing that's keeping it from being moon ready
0: yeah no you're completely correct and more so than space or like how much like size wise was the problem um the fact oh, that it, how weighed, do you- it weighed three tons so that nice. was a, a that's big good. big not oof there <laughs> not ideal uh but for the longest time uh like leading up to it uh we we that was kind of our leading thing another weird thing Nick. if you think about it like all of this original development was done pre knowing anything about the actual surface of the moon like that's like the hubris there and i respect it like don't get me wrong i don't I don't give that as a negative, but like just the confidence that we could develop a a vehicle having no concept of what was actually going to be there when we, we had ideas. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it was a completely blind idea. Like we we did not know. We just knew that it seemed like lots of craters and stuff, but other th- outside of that, not not a lot of not a lot of ideas. Not a lot
1: of knowledge. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that we were we were like that out of the loop.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, it was truly a, uh, a an like the whole Apollo uh, series of missions from Apollo one forward. Lots of exploratory things. Because um, now by the time we actually landed a uh, rover and landed humans on Mars or not Mars. Whoops. Uh, on the moon, we uh, we knew a lot more uh, about it by no, the time that happened.
1: We, we, we've definitely landed humans on Mars. The, 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 the SpaceX's of the world just don't want you to know. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so the, the problem with it was it was literally going to take an entirely separate rocket to take this uh, rover to the moon and so it ended up getting scrapped for budget. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, that would be extremely expensive. Um, but the, and, and I will say also, I need to say their names. So um, Pavlix and And Samuel Romano were the chief engineer and team leader, um, uh, respectively, for the original MoLab, the the, that vehicle that ended up getting presented, and. It wasn't, you know, we it kind of looks a little bit silly to look at now, but really that was the leading idea pre, you know, budget cut for the, the vehicle. And, and so they, after having the second shuttle cut, they didn't give up. Uh, they basically, they knew at that point that they needed to fit into the existing lunar module. Uh, so like the thing that the actual astronauts were going to land into. And a- as you might imagine, Nick, there was not a lot of like free space available on that thing.
1: Um, no, I, I- I imagine that that you're budgeting your space pretty damn hard.
0: at a premium for sure. Um so there was, there was though, at, at that point when they canceled the, um, the second shuttle and said that wasn't feasible, um, there still was a one meter by one and a half meter. So, uh, for us, uh, Imperial folks, that's, uh, basically three foot by five. Um, yeah. they, there was that much space that was not taken up on the side on one of the sides of the, of the lunar lander. Okay. And so that was what they tried to design something within, which I'm not sure if you can kind of just gauge. By the general size of the original vehicle, but that was quite different. um What they ended up doing was the three
1: foot by five foot. Sounds like I mean that sounds like a child's like the a, a child's truck. You know what I mean? Right, like, like little...
0: my like my son's little Jeep thing that he drives yeah, around in our that, backyard.
1: You, go. you got it better the the Jeep, the little Jeep, exactly right. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's like that doesn't even sound realistic meanwhile the one you sent me is like larger than than any commercial not commercial uh consumer truck from like visually uh right seems. it's like
0: a, it's like a, a truck with a giant topper for all your science stuff. with a submarine on top <laughs> with, yeah it's like a yeah, submarine with wheels yeah um yeah so quite the difference uh but they didn't give up and they ended up designing something that would uh fold in thirds kind of like how you would fold up a letter for an envelope uh like one axle would fold over into the middle um real quick
1: did they invent a transformer
0: they invented a transformer also nick this was an electric uh this is an electric rover and i'm not sure if you're aware or not but like we're still like figuring out electric cars today yep yep so i mean to do this in the 60s is pretty impressive um they they but before actually even doing any of the actual engineering of this thing they had a proof of concept that was um like a 115th or 120th scale it was like like maybe a foot across Um, and it was radio controlled and it would fold up in the way that they had described and would fit into the same size of a uh, like a little wedge shape that was the size that was the opening in the lunar module. And they, they kind of pitched this idea to one of the, the, the people in charge of part of the, the pro the Apollo program. And they immediately we're like all right we we need to like take you to the main guy which was Werner von Braun Braun Werner von Braun okay mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel really bad if I say that wrong, so I'm gonna look at a <laughs> Werner Von Braun, I think is the right Yeah. So, so they, they needed to take it to Werner von Braun, who was the uh the lead person, the director of the Apollo space program. And he was yeah. a very passionate person uh, about space exploration even before Apollo was even a feasible idea. Um and so they 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 really wanted this to happen, and so they they took a little bit of a theatrical uh approach to trying to convince him that this was a thing that they should okay. adopt. And so they got got a meeting with him uh, and they drove in via the, the, the radio controls. They drove in their little model uh, with, like, they didn't even walk in first. They literally drove it in and then Fancy. folded it up and then put it in its little space, and then they made their pitch for, like, we need to do this. Uh, and he, I respect it. Yeah, like, and that theatrics paid off because he agreed, and literally this was right as Apollo 11 was launching, and uh, they, they agreed that they had 18 months to actually make this happen, so that it could be on board Apollo 15 uh, when it launched. Uh, okay. th- that, that would give them a little bit of leeway to make sure that everything was able to fit and functional going into it. So the, the people that originally made weird space submarine thing came up with this other idea, pitched it to the director of the Apollo program, and he agreed. And I think that's awesome. Um, Me too. And, and then, so there's there's lots of things that were challenging in the actual, like turning it from a uh, proof of concept to a real thing. Like I mentioned before, uh, it was an electric vehicle, which not a whole lot of uh, work Experience going that, into yeah. EVs back then. Um, Nick, I want you to. Well, I don't know. It's, I hate doing the guessing game, so I'm not sure how. I'll just kind of describe some circumstances. I'm. I'm not sure how familiar you are with moon stuff, uh, but you we're gonna me, go moon we're, guy. We're gonna we're gonna go over some moon stuff. Okay. So the moon always faces us the same direction, but it actually does rotate. Um, it just happens to rotate. Well, it's not happens. There's lots of physics reasons why this is the case but yeah. it revolves around us and rotates at the same uh interval so every 27 <laughs> days it ro- makes one full rotation and once every 27 days it also makes a full rotation around us so it's always facing us even though it kind of breaks okay. your brain but if you think about it in lunar phases maybe it makes sense maybe not there's probably some good youtube videos about it who knows but what that means is the um the actual uh surface that it will be on despite wherever it is on the moon will be in 14 days of night followed by 14 days of day. I mean, as close approximation as you can use those right um, in the quote nighttime, it is uh, 250 degrees below zero, which is rather cold. And in the nighttime, it is 250 degrees above zero, which is also significant. Um, there were different plans on the actual and we'll talk about why that specific thing is significant here kind of at the very end of why all this is exciting. Um, but yeah, that's that's a bit of a challenge uh, to to have something that can operate honestly in either one of those environments
1: yeah that's not yeah that's
0: um pretty
1: uh what's the word i'm looking for versatile Little, little machine there.
0: Yeah, you got you got to be flexible and uh, open to change in whatever else uh, the business words are. Um. So the the other problem, Nick, I'm not so tires were a problem. Uh, can, do you want to take a guess at what would happen if we just took normal tires into space, like your tires on your car? What would
1: um. T- uh, you wouldn't be able to have. Would you not be able to
0: maintain air pressure? They would super explode. Yeah. <laughs> so, like okay. super super okay. explode because vacuum and all the yeah, air would. Very much That's what does not exist anymore inside right, of the tire. Right.
1: So it's not like is a thi- like that that crazy, but like you literally I mean you literally have to change your tire pressure like pretty significantly when you take a bike into the <laughs> mountains and you're like, I went up two thousand feet and you look up at the sky you're like, that is a lot more than that away. So yeah, yeah like yeah. Yeah, so
0: so that wouldn't work out great. Um I could see that. So we ended up coming up with a, a mesh of what was kind of like uh, piano wires, like as far as thickness goes, uh, that were like tightly woven. A- and I-, I don't know how to describe it other than like in the shape of a tire, but like you- they would like mold around rocks and stuff. And ultimately just kind of because they were so thick of wire, they would spring back to tire shape after they would go over whatever obstacle. Huh, okay. And fairly, fairly durable also. Uh, and th- key point. They did not explode, which was a great, great plus. Right. Um, but anyway, so they they found up, found out a way to like make all this stuff happen, fold it all up, and. The the it all fit and they ended up launching and on Apollo 15 they were able to successfully get the 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 rover out and start to drive it around and realized that the front steering did not work which that when you're when you're on the moon and steering is a problem you're not super probably like looking forward to driving that thing a whole lot farther because you know there's not a lot of not a lot of triple A options or other ways. No to get back to where you were. No, it's Um, not good. There there was so they did have rear steering so they could kind of maneuver and actually ended up having the front steering start working after the fact. So more or less had a fairly successful first go of, um, the moon rover. Um, and let's see here before you, before you continue,
1: yeah. I just want to show, share this with you. This is, uh, I'm not sure this should t- say in, but I hope you like this thumbnail and uh, click on this at the time, the time period. So you can see what I thought they should have done. Instead of if you don't want to deal with tires and stuff, I, I, we, we've figured out the solution. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: so have you just sent me a duct tape tire is this what you've done Nick okay Nick, 900 times out of a thousand well I don't know 999 times out of a thousand I would cut something stupid like this out of the podcast but you know what do you want Nick okay I, I need to keep this put in, a,
1: like a big layer of duct tape on there. Nick, duct.
0: <laughs> Nick, I don't know that you could have served <laughs> me up a segue better than this. So screw everything else I was going to talk about in the middle. We're gonna hop to Apollo 17 right now. But before we oh, do okay. that, I want you to describe, just in case I had to do cut a little bit of that because Lord knows how much sense that made. Um, Nick, you sent me a, a video. Yeah, yeah. Sent, explain. Explain a quick, yourself.
1: A, a quick video. It's. Uh, I haven't even watched this actually. I've just. Uh, I just watched the first like minute. Of laughed at the first minute of them setting it up, so I don't even know how it works out. Oh, of a uh, mountain bike YouTuber who uh, he was like, you know, tires suck. They're so expensive. So screw tires. I'm gonna <laughs> replace my tire by just taking the rim of my wheel and I'm just gonna put layers and layers of duct tape around it until it's as thick as a tire. And <laughs> he's got 13 <laughs> rolls of duct tape around his his uh, rim to create a squishy uh, you know, a squishy uh, tire replacement. So it, you don't need air. You don't need tires with air that will obviously yeah. pop in in the vacuum of space just sure get, just, duck, duct just, tape. just get okay. giant okay. rolls shut, of duct tape okay
0: <laughs> all right shut up i need to tell my story now uh, okay please so there the the whole experiment with the the rover goes well the first time well the second time also there's some some bumps along the way um however on the um apollo 17 mission i believe it is uh yeah apollo 17 they uh were on uh getting ready to go do uh, a rover mission and one of of the astronauts who like the, the nice thing about a rover is obviously the speed that it can go compared to what you can walk in in a space suit on the moon's yeah. surface so you can go a lot farther but also you can carry a lot more uh like science stuff uh, in case you find anything and they actually did find a lot of cool stuff and i won't go into the details but like a lot of how we know the moon uh works and was formed and uh, kind of the, the geology of the moon has been found out because of um them being able to travel to different uh geological sites uh because of rovers. So lots of cool stuff there. That's the part I'm skipping. Uh, go watch something or listen to something. The people that are smarter than me talk about that. Um, <clears throat> but what is interesting and relevant, uh, one of the tools that one of the astronauts had was a hammer uh, who what was like in his belt. Uh, and he was getting ready to get into the rover and accidentally got the hammer caught on the fender of the rover and ended up breaking off the fender of the rover. Granted, like got to keep in mind, a lot of this stuff is like extremely lightweight and fragile. Right. And and so it, it, obviously that's kind of like a little extreme to think about, but it's, it's pretty, pretty lightweight stuff that they're dealing with. So um, tore off the fender off of over one of the wheels, which sounds like not a huge deal. And they actually tried driving it without the fender. Uh, but because of the moon dust and the low gravity, uh, it actually kicked up a significantly more amount of moon dust, which, again, doesn't sound like necessarily a problem. But moon dust is extremely no. sharp. Uh, like because there's no like erosion or anything, uh, or significantly, significantly less. So like all of the particles are extremely sharp and it's really bad for electronics and uh, really bad for spacesuits. And actually the, the rover started to overheat, uh, from some of the stuff that it was kicking up and building up on, um, some of the electronics. And so they actually stopped. And using some of their moon navigation physical, like paper maps. And Nick duct tape made a makeshift fender on the freaking moon to order to continue the mission. And I just want you to look at this because you sent me a thing of duct tape makeshift things. And you know what? I think this takes the cake because this is duct tape maps together duct taped all over a wheel to be a fender on the freaking moon and i think that is amazing
1: that is fantastic i have an utmost amount of respect for this this is this is diy <laughs> excellence right here i am so uh, yeah and you say fender and like i obviously know th- that like i i know what a fender is you forget on these like buggies it's got to cover a ton it's it's a big ass fender that's covering a ton i mean th- it, but also this is this is quality this is this is engineering at work right here
0: and i also love the idea like obviously they have electronic versions of some of the navigation stuff and in fact they on on all of these they had automatic navigation um stuff that would like bring them back to their um their landing site but Aww. just the idea that like as far as physical stuff goes they're like ah eh, screw it we'll just duct tape it as a fender we don't we don't need our physical oh maps here Um, I just, I loved that so much. Um, Me too.
1: I I was, this is, this totally confirms, like, not confirms, but like, this totally aligns with my my vision of like, the kind of person that would be an astronaut. They're like, like, most nerds and scientists and engineers and stuff are, at heart, like, they're willing to just be like, eh, screw it, this kind of like, does the same thing. I know it's DIY, it looks janky as hell, it looks like nonsense, (laughs) like, but it does the thing. It does the thing. And that is absolutely like what they they're like no nah, nah, nah. we got to keep it rolling we will we'll will, yeah of course we'll ride around with a duct tape map on our tire it's fine
0: yeah no i just i loved it so much like it is you're you're 100 right like that is just the spirit of the sort of people that would love to do this um and like the reason why i got excited about this one because there's just so many cool old stories like this that honestly um get forgotten uh and and two oh i just had a my whiteboard fall off my wall that was exciting um sorry um and and two i should find some duct tape fix this uh sorry um but no. But also, uh, what they're talking about now with the Artemis missions, which is our, uh, which is NASA's missions to the moon, which have unfortunately been delayed, of course, because of how everything happens. I think Artemis One is still planned for this year. I think in August currently, which won't actually be one of okay. the manned missions. One of the manned missions won't happen. I think until now, twenty twenty-five or six. Um, so we're we're still a few good years away from actually setting foot on mars again or gosh damn setting foot on the moon again um but what i, what Look, I, thought... I was gonna
1: say this earlier i didn't want to make a, a thing out of it but like I, I just want you to know that the the pandemic taking away like and not the, just the pandemic but like the last like whatever years taking away my ability to make a silly joke about conspiracy theorists who don't believe we've made it on the moon or like believe we, we have like gone to mars that's the funniest the, the funniest conspiracy theory and i want to be able to laugh at it and i don't appreciate that like it came, it came it comes off as a as like <laughs> political or something. I, I want to be able to make fun of people not, not believing we made it on the moon. I, and that's all I've... I want in life.
0: I'm staring into your soul right now through this I microphone. <laughs> I don't care.
1: Cut it all if you want. I don't care.
0: No, you're hundred percent right. And I hate so much that that is a true thing that like, you can't make fun of because Lord knows the uh, adoption it's, it's, rate of conspiracy theory is like at an all time high. Yeah. yep, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, sure. If you want to, if, if you cut it all, I don't care if, if the tipping point for, uh, caring about this podcast was believing whether or not we landed on the moon, then that's fine. That I, That's it's true. It's true. I'll, I'll survive. Um, okay the what was i was gonna say oh the, the thing that's really cool um that i'm excited about so the the thing about the artemis missions is the idea behind it is kind of twofold one is to have a permanent moon base uh there like th- that's kind of akin to how we have the international space station and the, like it's a continual place that we have science happening uh and then two to be kind of a launching point to for for mars missions uh there's a lot less okay. uh, escape velocity needed off of the moon so if we can do something like that um that can save a lot of energy that it takes to get there um but the part of it like the the being a permanent Uh, station for science means that these rovers are going to have to be really, really durable and uh, like just battery technology in general will have to come a long ways in order to support that. Like I mentioned before, 14 days of night and 14 days of day. I mean, 14 days of no sunlight and negative 250 degrees Fahrenheit. That is not a good thing for uh, batteries. Batteries do not do well in cold and that is pretty cold And, and further like storing that much uh, to be able to have a, a continuously functional vehicle over that entire time, like just the general energy storage also needs to come a long ways. And so the the thing that I found really exciting about that is like that if we can actually care about this and focus on this and solve some of these problems, like that is going to make battery technology from an EV standpoint and also uh, just generally energy sustainability type things be significantly more feasible once we do figure that out. And like, that's been a lot of the benefit of a lot of these, um, these missions is like you, we had to solve some really incredible problems, uh, in order to make it happen. And we kind of reaped the benefits over the years after the fact. And I don't know it's like, I could definitely see that being the case here is, I mean, obviously EVs have taken an, uh, a significant portion of the, the market for vehicles yeah. right now, but like to make them be even, you know, significantly more affordable and, uh, you know, actually feasible for a lot of people, uh, that would be super crazy cool. And the fact that we get to figure out how to do that because we want to have people be on the moon, that's even cooler. So there you go.
1: Completely agree. I think it's really interesting how um, technological advancement can be uh, like tangentially related or they can come as a, a, a consequence or, uh, you know, byproduct of something that it was not the uh, overarching goal or whatever. And I've, I've heard that a lot about space travel in general. Like, that, like you know, sp- like don't like we use uh, – I think you have actually probably talked to me about this, but don't use a lot of um, – uh, uh, d- don't we use similar like tech for uh or suits for firefighters as like stuff that was uh developed because of uh the yeah. suits we use for uh, astronauts right like i think that's really interesting and cool and that's part of the thing about science is like you know a, a step forward in one field can mean a lot for a lot of people in a, a lot of different ways and ways you might not even be able to predict right so yeah like really cool
0: it, i mean it's amazing because you get to learn a lot about like the space side of things but also yeah. to survive in plus or minus 250 degrees fahrenheit like there's a lot of tech that has to be developed for that to be something that people can survive in and obviously that is beneficial for various reasons here on earth too so love it anyways yeah lunar rovers are cool and i hope to have another cool one soon hopefully things don't get delayed forever also nick we won't talk about it but james webb stuff i swear i i always say it's gonna be soon but it's gonna be soon we're gonna have more cool stuff yes i'm I'm stoked about
1: james webb stuff I, i want that update I want yeah. to. That's actually what I thought this was going to be. I was like, oh, did I miss something? So nope. there you go.
0: No, not yet. All right. Let's um, let's let's wrap this. Nick, uh, if you would like, we have our Patreon-only podcast that is about the NBA uh, at least half the year. Uh, if you, It seems to be. We uh, made some predictions. We did better this time than we did last time. hey. Aye. Uh, aye. Uh, and coming up soon is going to be even more fun stuff because it's going to be the finals. Final start soon, Nick. By the time the next episode comes out, it'll be even more final stuff. So,
1: uh, I mean, final start tomorrow, Jeff. Tomorrow, right?
0: for, Thursday yeah, for, for, at for, seven something central,
1: I think. Yep. So for, uh, I think, let's right. make
0: sure we get the time right for this episode that will come out after it happens. Got to, got to make sure we dial in the time for everything.
1: Yeah, but more, uh, more importantly, the, the timing is uh, freaking. Uh, so the, by then, two games will be down for our listeners by the time this yeah. drops. So, for next uh next week's uh Patreon one, will probably be our last Patreon one talking about uh an ongoing series at least. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And Nick, and and what will the series series be when next time we do our Patreon? Well, like what will the series be at? I, we'll just give this, the listeners a preview to, here. To,
1: total cop out, but but one one. I think I think like when their te- when teams are really really good, I think holding home cart is basically like just like it's, yeah. it's very very difficult. So, uh total cop out answer, I know. Um <laughs> But... I'd say I'd guess 1-1.
0: I agree. You know what? I think you're probably right. 1-1. I'm very excited for this series. If you want to listen to us talk about it, go to patreon.com forward slash tywasap. Nick, take us out the last little bit here.
1: (laughs) You can also follow us at Tywasapp on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, not Snapchat. And you can find all of that at Tywasap.com.
0: Nicholas, we made it. Thank you for potting with me on this slightly different time than normal and very exciting time to go watch basketball here next tomorrow.
1: Uh, You are welcome, sir. This has been the year we started a podcast. Thank you all for listening.